0: today's broadcast was originally recorded on December 1st 2022. So does the Rhodes verdict does that create any momentum within the DOJ to pursue similar charges against other people who were not present on January
1: 6th? So I don't want to speculate on other investigations or other parts of other investigations. this is a, this particular case is about uh, Mr. Rhodes and the other four defendants. As you, well, as you know, there's another uh, set of uh, Oath Keepers who start on Monday, mm-hmm. and I don't want to talk anymore uh, in light of the fact that there's another trial beginning on Monday.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody.
1: Oh, no. Thank you. And thank you, Merrick Garland.
2: Keep up the good work, sir. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
3: That's why. I got the feeling something right. Maybe it is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair Or
2: maybe it isn't
3: And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep
2: from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la also in california in red bluff and redding on kfoi and round mountains kkrn up in oregon we're heard on the central coast on kyaq cottage groves keso and eugene's kepw lancaster pennsylvania's wlri maui hawaii's kaku in columbus ohio on wgrn Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the internets. On the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing, Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We will be getting to the great... Marcy Wheeler of Empty Wheel soon enough and since she's overseas, she's in Ireland, she's run, running much later than we are and she's uh, I hear she's got a cold, Desi Doyen. Oh,
0: bless her heart I know. she's been working so hard on all of these trials
2: right? and so all the J6 we, stuff, everything. Right, so we will try to not keep her up too late, we will jump into uh, our story that I want to talk to her about momentarily as Brandy Buckman who has been covering the two-month-long trial from inside the D.C. court on behalf of Daily Coast reported this week. U.S. Capitol police officer Harry Dunn was in the courtroom when the verdicts were announced. It was an emotional and long-awaited moment for him. She writes, "Justice," he told Daily Coast, "should be expected, not celebrated." But. Nonetheless, he made clear he regarded Tuesday's verdict as a win for the American people. Officer Dunn, who was among many to defend the nation's capital on January 6, 2021, at great personal expense, was one of four officers who testified in public hearings before the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee investigating January 6. He testified about the physical assaults and the verbal threats that he And his fellow officers faced responding to the attack at the U.S. Capitol that day in, well, a highly emotional hearing at the time in which he also spoke about the racial abuse that he and other officers experienced during the attack by supporters of Donald Trump, including folks uh, who we have since learned were with the Oath Keepers and the white nationalist Proud Boys. Dunn told Daily Kos's Buckman after the verdicts came in this past week, quote, "I am thankful to the jury for fulfilling their civic duty and to the Justice Department for fighting for justice, for my co-workers and me and also the American people." After two months of trial and just three days of deliberations, Oathkeeper's founder Elmer Elmer, Stuart Rhodes, III. And Florida chapter head for the far right group, the Oath Keepers, Kelly Meggs, were each found guilty of seditious conspiracy for their attempt to stop the nation's peaceful transfer of power of presidential power on January 6, 2021. The seditious conspiracy convictions, AP argues in its coverage, shows the jurors are willing to hold accountable not just the rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6, but those who schemed to subvert the 2020 election. Does that bring anyone else to mind? Just asking. Tuesday's verdict, while not a total win for the Justice Department, gives fresh momentum to its investigators just as the newly named special counsel Jack Smith ramps up his probe into key aspects of the insurrection that was fueled by President Donald Trump's lies about a stolen election. The Oath Keeper's verdict may embolden investigators to build cases against other major players behind the push to keep Donald Trump in power. Jeffrey uh, Jacobovitz, a Washington white-collar criminal defense attorney, observed after the convictions on Tuesday, quote, if I'm one of the other leaders of the insurrection, I would be very concerned about what kind of charges they could bring. The convictions against Rhodes and Meggs are the first seditious conspiracy convictions at trial in decades and are significant because the legally complex charge can be very difficult for juries to understand and for prosecutors to prove, especially in an ultimately unsuccessful plot, as was the plot on January 6th. But, you know, if you conspire to rob a bank you can still be charged and held guilty for it, even if your attempt at burglary ultimately failed. To date, the sprawling capital insurrection probe has already led to the arrest of more than 900 people across the U.S. and could result in hundreds of more charges in the Department of Justice's largest ever criminal investigation, largest ever by far. But Stuart Rhodes and his associates were the first to stand trial on the Civil War era offense of sedition. Jurors found Rhodes and Meggs guilty of sedition for plotting to use force to block the presidential transfer from Trump to Joe Biden. Three other oath keepers. Uh, co-defendants in the same trial were acquitted of that charge, but all five were convicted of obstructing Congress's certification of the electoral vote, which, like seditious conspiracy, also carries up to 20 years in prison. In fact, uh, the DOJ seems to have been pretty smart in backstopping that seditious conspiracy charge with a whole bunch of other charges. In other words, if they weren't going to be found guilty of seditious conspiracy, well, count two was conspiracy to obstruct a uh, uh, an official proceeding count 3 was obstruction of an official proceeding all 5 were found guilty of that count 4 conspiracy to prevent officials from discharging their duties destruction of property impeding officers during a civil disorder tampering with evidence and so on and so forth and in each case at least one of the uh, defendants was in fact found guilty of one or more of those charges So while all five were convicted of obstructing Congress's certification of the electoral vote and that carries like seditious conspiracy up to 20 years in prison. Can we think of anyone else? Uh, Anyone else who attempted to obstruct Congress's certification of the electoral vote who may have also participated in a conspiracy to do it? And yet, like Rhodes himself, did not actually, personally, storm the Capitol that day. Should anybody like that be maybe a little bit more concerned today than they might have had reason to be at the beginning of this past week? I'm just asking questions. Just
0: asking questions. Just thinking about it.
2: Jimmy uh, Garule, a a former federal prosecutor who's now a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School, told AP, quote, individuals that weren't at the scene but were involved in the planning and the plotting of this attack on the U.S. Capitol, they should be very nervous right now, he said. On trial alongside Rhodes and Megs were Kenneth Harrelson, another Florida Oathkeeper, Thomas Caldwell, a retired Navy intelligence officer from Virginia, and Jessica Watkins, who led an Ohio militia group. Though defendants Caldwell, Watkins and Harrelson were spared the seditious conspiracy charge by the jury, their failure to escape the obstruction of an official proceeding charge is quite significant. Because, again, that charge, just like seditious conspiracy, carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. So the verdict, while split, could, yes, strengthen the Justice Department's hand as it gears up to try a second group of Oath Keepers, as well as former Proud Boys and their national chair Enrique Tario, and other top leaders also for seditious conspiracy. With both trials uh, slated to begin next, uh, in, in the next week or so, the convictions this past week could spur new plea deals from some of those who have been charged. Quote, if I am a defense attorney for any of those defendants, said Barbara McQuaid, who served as a U.S. attorney for the Eastern, Eastern District of Michigan, quote, today I am reaching out to my client to say, hey, we need to have a conversation about whether you still want to go to trial. On Wednesday, Attorney General Merrick Garland, in brief remarks, lauded the verdict and the prosecutors
1: who achieved it. On January 6th, as the government's evidence showed, Defendants Meggs, Harrelson, and Watkins forcefully breached the U.S. Capitol wearing paramilitary gear, while Defendants Rhodes and Caldwell remained outside on the Capitol ground coordinating activities. Last evening, a jury of the defendant's peers found each of them guilty of serious felony offenses. As the verdict of this case makes clear, the Department will work tirelessly to hold accountable those responsible for crimes related to the attack on our democracy on January 6, 2021. Well, I hope so.
0: Yeah, in other words, the DOJ will find you and they will get you.
2: I hope you're right about that. I am, too. Daily Kosas Buckman summarized the potential penalties for these defendants from the first group of Oath Keepers. Uh, they're now looking at, well, for all of the charges he was convicted on, Stuart Rhodes faces a maximum sentence of up to 60 years in prison. Meggs faces up to 86 years in prison. Watkins could serve up to 56 years in prison if the judge doles out the steepest sentence possible for all of her charges. Remember, she was not charged with seditious conspiracy. Well, she was charged, but she was found not guilty. Caldwell also found not guilty of that, but he is looking at 40 years and Harrelson as well could be sentenced up to 46 years for all of the charges. On which he was convicted. So, all of the defendants will remain jailed, notes Buckman, except for Thomas Caldwell until sentencing. Caldwell was was apparently released from prison well ahead of the trial due to various health concerns. An attorney for Jessica Watkins asked the judge after the verdict was read if his client could potentially be released ahead of sentencing, but Judge Meta denied that request. Out of hand from the bench. Nope. She's got to go straight to prison. Do not pass go. The success of the seditious conspiracy conviction, Buckman notes, is the first one that the Justice Department has had in more than a decade. The charge was also the steepest one brought so far against any defendant tied to January 6th. So what does all of this mean at this point? Obviously, sounds like good news to me on its face, at least for those folks. But what does it mean going forward for, well, the other group of Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys that are facing similar charges in trials in upcoming weeks? And, of course, perhaps most importantly, what does it mean for the seditious former president without whom there almost certainly would have been no conspiracy at all by anyone to try and prevent the peaceful transfer of power at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, the great Marcy Wheeler of Empty Wheel, who, well, she knows all. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs>
0: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com/donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com/donate and thanks.
2: Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an Encore presentation of the Bradcast.
3: All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media.
1: A twittler with no proof. Sounds like a horrible idea for a musical, no? Or at least a horrible idea for a president.
2: We will not take it anymore.
1: Edition! Huh? Look it up. Girl. We had an election that was
2: stolen.
1: Who would attempt to rally up a mob and try to stage a coup to steal a fair election? Who, so fucked, he couldn't hold his job. He's begging like a little bitch. Ooh. The loser. <laughs>
2: Welcome back back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. So with the Department of Justice notching a big win with the sedition, the seditious conspiracy, and the guilty verdicts against Oath Keepers leader Elmer Stewart Rhodes III and Florida chapter head Kelly Meggs, and conspiracy to obstruct and obstruction of an official proceeding for the three other Oath Keepers who were on trial as well over the past couple of months Kenneth Harrelson, Thomas Caldwell, and Jessica Watkins. What does or doesn't that all mean going forward for another seditious conspiracy trial? Coming up for more Oath Keepers and another one for white nationalist Proud Boys and their leader Enrico Tario, and perhaps, well, certainly much more critically, folks in Trump's inner circle like, yes, guys like Roger Stone and most critically, of course, the disgraced former president himself. Joining us now, once again, from Ireland, and God love her, staying up late for us even with a cold, is our old friend Marcy Wheeler, an independent national security journalist, founder of her must-read EmptyWheel.net blog, and of course contributor to many other publications like The Intercept, The Guardian, Politico, New York Times, and others. And, as we noted on our previous broadcast, she was also The winner of the Internet on Wednesday, as far as I'm concerned, at least uh, for uh, long timers on this beat with her fairly hilarious tweet in response to yesterday's surprisingly unified decision by the normally splintered House Democratic caucus to replace Nancy Pelosi and the rest of their uh, longtime leadership with an entirely new generation with Marcy quipping as she linked to that story, quote, Democrats in array. Hilarious, Marcy. Well done, and welcome back to the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Good to be on.
2: It, 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 may be one, it may be a joke that only uh, some of us long timers understand, but I found it hilarious, so thank you for that. Uh, hey, Marcy, uh, all of this seems like a pretty big deal. Uh, I think a lot of folks may know who Stort Rhodes is by now, who you respectfully refer to by his first name, Elmer. But the. Um, The other oath keeper to also be found guilty of seditious conspiracy was uh, less well known. That would be Kelly Meggs. Now, you have discussed a lot about him on your blog over the years and on this show over the past couple of years. Who is Kelly Meggs and what should we know about him?
4: Uh, he's a car salesman going to prison for a seditious conspiracy. <laughs> he actually was running a car dealership. For some reason, the Oath Keepers, they're, they're, they're such posers that they decided to put the car dealer guy in charge of their seditious conspiracy rather than any of the multiple people with actual military experience. <laughs> um, but he's important going forward uh-huh. because he, uh, being from South Florida, hmm is a guy who, uh, leading up to January 6th, was in discussions with the Proud Boys and actually three uh, percenters as well. So he was, in his mind, and, and, and it's interesting that he was found guilty of the of both the big conspiracy, mm-hmm. seditious conspiracy, and conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, mm-hmm. um, because one of the things that I think, DOJ, one of the ways in which I think DOJ sees this Sees the way they're approaching January sixth is these interlocking conspiracies. Mm-hmm. So you have the Oath Keepers, you know, breaking in the East Side. You have the Proud Boys, sort of orchestrating everyone from from the West Side. Mm-hmm. You have um, the you have Joe Biggs, who mm-hmm. uh, used to work for Infowars
2: for Alex and Jones, what, yeah
4: for Alex Jones, before Alex Jones fired him because he was too much of a nut. I, you know, before oh, today's yay appearance, I don't think he'd ever seen anyone who was too much of a nut, nut for him <laughs> except for Joe Biggs. Right. But Joe Biggs um, and a number of these Oath Keepers and Alex Jones all converge on the east steps mm-hmm. of the of the Capitol and basically open a second front of the Capitol. Uh, Jones leaves before, before Alex, before um, Joe Biggs and the Oath Keepers bust in. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, they all converge on the East store which is, hey, you know, these people all have a lot of ties. And that's why it's important, I think, that Kelly Meggs was found guilty of both sedition conspiracy and conspiracy to obstruct, because uh, if the Proud Boys are also found, if, say, Joe Biggs is also found guilty of one of those kinds of conspiracies, and as you said, his the, the judge just pushed their trial back for so the actual guts of the trial aren't going to begin until the New Year, but Mm. uh, their their jury selection starts in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. So, if he's found guilty, then you will have these two men who were both conspiring together, who were responsible, uh, Biggs far more than Mm Meggs, responsible for a big part of the insurrection. And guess who they were conspiring with? Who? Well, Alex Jones. I already mentioned him, but Roger Stone.
2: Ah, yeah, right. Because he was... uh, They They were...
4: were on... Yeah, they were, uh, and, and Enrique Tarrio, were all on this Friends of Stone list. So, uh, so, and Stone's name and Alex Stone's name came up over and over and over again in the U.S. Keeper trial. I expect the same will happen in the Proud Boy trial. And so what you're seeing here uh, is this, the possibility of this network conspiracy through Kelly Meg. So for that, I mean, uh, uh, Elmer, mm-hmm. as I like to call him, yes, also has those ties. Uh, His girlfriend slash lawyer who is being prosecuted separately, Kelly Sorrell, she has ties with um, Latinos for Trump, Mm -hmm. which is another tie that Enrique Otario has. So in other words, like there's all there's this network and the first domino fell in that network last, earlier this week.
2: Well, and that's what I was going to say. It sounds like you're suggesting that was just the first uh, domino. We have the we know we have these other Oath Keepers coming up and these Proud Boys coming up that have already been charged. Sounds like you're suggesting that this could lead to a, uh, a Roger Stone indictment. Is that what I'm hearing you saying? And w- one thing that I don't want to let it get away. Uh, why hasn't Alex Jones been charged yet in any of this? And would you expect that he might be?
4: So those, I mean, what's interesting is Rhodes, who did not enter the Capitol, was found guilty of seditious conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, Kelly, Kenneth Harrelson, who did enter the the um, Capitol, was not found guilty of either of the two big conspiracies. He was found mm-hmm. guilty of, of a lesser one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's interesting because one of the things that prosecutors I think have have tried to really build their case before they did was start prosecuting people who weren't who didn't enter the Capitol, mm-hmm. and obviously Stone wasn't even at the Capitol, right. and and in fact, given the mandate of Jack Smith's uh, the new special the new special counsel, mm-hmm. given the way in which his job is spelled out it's not actually clear whether Smith would prosecute him or somebody who was involved in one of these cases because the Smith is supposed to be in charge of everything that was everyone who wasn't at the Capitol and Mm -hmm. Stone wasn't at the Capitol. Jones was, uh, you know, so there's all that. I will say this, um, one of Alex Jones's employees pled guilty, uh, I want to say last month Mm -hmm. is a videographer, a guy named Sam Montoya, Mm -hmm. uh, it is expected at a, at a hearing a couple of days ago, his sidekick, Owen Schroyer, uh, said that he would plead guilty at the end of January. Hmm. And these aren't going to be massive uh, plea deals, I don't mm-hmm. think. I mean, the Sam and certainly wasn't, but they, they're the kind of thing where you have to sit down and talk with the FBI if you take a plea deal. Right. And I, I think with short, I mean, got, they went through all of Schroyer's phones, he was also on the Friends of Stone list. So they're certainly moving in that direction. I think that there is impatience from a lot of people.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I also think that they're not going to go after these people until they have every piece, every piece in place. And, and again, with this jurisdictional issue, between, like if I were in charge, I would charge Alex Jones and Roger Stone together, but mm. with this jurisdictional issue, that would uh, that could suggest a split between uh, what Jack Smith is supposed to be in charge gotcha. of and what people
2: so merely you know, aren't reporting to. Yeah, so merely the fact that Alex Jones has not yet been charged, uh, it sounds like you're suggesting neither him nor Roger Stone is, should consider themselves uh, f- free and clear yet at this point. Uh, Marcy...
4: Not at all. And, I, and I'll also yeah. say, though, uh, that with the Proud Boys prosecution, especially, and I, and I, I want to warn people that that is a much more complex prosecution mm. than the Oath Keepers. Okay. Um partly because there were, there are a ton more Proud Boys who have been arrested and some of the Proud Boys are like, I didn't know what was going on. And others and, and the three people, you know, the people who led the attack Mm -hmm. people like, I mean, Enrique Tarrio was not at the Capitol. He had been arrested and kicked out of, kicked out of DC already. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's, curious in that the people who were in charge, a good number of them, were not on site. And there's the actually spelled out plan for attacking the Capitol wasn't spelled out. So a lot of the grunts had no idea what was about to happen. In mm. fact, a guy pled guilty today, and he was like, I didn't even know what January 6th was. All I knew is my job was to follow along. and I followed you know, I followed my leader along. And so that's going to add some complexities, I think, especially for the conspiracy charges on the Proud Boys. And so one thing I suspect is that T O J really wants to get through that trial, which won't finish until mid-February at this point. I see. Before they take any other big steps.
2: And, and why has it been uh, traditionally so difficult for the government? You talk about this more complex case with the with Enrico Terrio the, and the Proud Boys. Why is it so difficult in general for the government to be able to get convictions on seditious conspiracy charges over the past, uh, you know, many years? Even here, uh, in, in the Oath Keepers case, three out of five who were charged with that were not found guilty of it, uh, at least that particular charge. Why is that so tough? Well, especially with
4: white terrorists, uh, they tend to be able to make compelling arguments to say we thought we were saving the country. We didn't think we were uh, we were attacking the country. We thought we were saving the country.
3: Uh-huh.
4: Uh, Kathleen Balu, uh who who wrote a book called Bring the War Home, she ha- she wrote mm-hmm. a lot about that in this book. Um, it didn't work as well in this case, partly because of the opposition to Biden, partly because of the opposition to Trump. There there are multiple times where. Elmer leading up to January sixth is like if Trump doesn't do this, we'll we'll go without him. Mm-hmm. Um and partly for First Amendment reasons. I mean the line between saying you want a civil war and actually taking steps to start a civil war is actually pretty thin. A lot of people at the at the at January sixth said mm-hmm. they wanted a civil war, some of whom only got misdemeanors. So so the line between people who the government is saying very seriously took steps to start a civil war. And those who just spouted off about a civil war is is pretty thin. And so I, that, is, that is one of the things, I mean, one of the things that's going on in the Proud Boy case, which is really fascinating right now, is the government, they said, the Proud Boys, the morning of the attack, they said, I want to rile up the, this is not an exact quote, but I've mm-hmm. written about it, and people can find it. I want to rile up the normies so they burn this city to the ground. <laughs> So the plan was not that the Proud Boys would burn the city themselves, although some of them, a handful of them, were engaged in what I call tac- uh, tactical violence, meaning if they needed to break into a door, mm-hmm. uh, they would use chemical spray. But the the worst violence was not the Proud Boys for the most for the most part. But they came in that morning saying, "We want to rile up the normies." So they kill the cops. So right. they attack the cops, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a there's a really heated and very interesting legal debate going on in the pretrial motions right now about, you know, like a conspiracy is very easy to argue in in a trial. Although as we just saw, it's not that easy to prove at trial. Mm-hmm. Um, but DOJ is arguing there's a. They're basically arguing that uh, the Proud Boys used these normies, they call them normies, mm-hmm. as their tools, mm-hmm. and uh, and the Proud Boys are like, no, you, you can't. How do you prove that these people who you know bowled over these cops? How do you prove that we were responsible and that they didn't have their didn't do it of their own?
2: Right. These people who these people who didn't know about the conspiracy were actually part of the conspiracy in one sense. Right. They were the tools, to
4: and and that they're using that word yeah. tools. Um, one way to think about this, for those who've seen the video of the of the kickoff of the riot mm-hmm. of the attack, there's this moment where Joe Biggs puts his arm around this guy and says something to him in his ear, mm-hmm. and then that guy just leaves Joe Biggs and walks right up to the first barrier and starts pushing it over, mm-hmm. knocks over a cop, puts her, gives her a concussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the cops who testified yeah. uh, before the January 6th committee. And that's what's, that, was the, that was the trigger for the entire riot. Mm-hmm. That guy, his name's Ryan Samsel. He has a significant criminal background of, of beating women, actually, of, a, of uh, domestic violence. And at first, it seemed like he was going to cooperate with prosecutors and, and, and tell them that, uh, how Joe Biggs riled him up to start the riot. And then he was assaulted in jail. We, don't, we still don't know mm. by whom. Uh, reportedly by a guard, but no guard has yet been, been charged. Mm-hmm. And since then, he cooperation has been off. And so, but that would have been, had he cooperated, that would have been the key thing mm-hmm. to, to demonstrate that the way in which Joe Biggs kicked off the riot was not by knocking over that mm-hmm. cop himself, but instead telling somebody to be a man, he had to kick it off and and therefore them doing it.
2: Exploiting the normie uh, tools in this case. Uh, Why uh, Marcy Wheeler were, briefly, the uh, Harrelson, Watkins, and and Caldwell, they were the uh, three of the five with the Oath Keepers that were uh, charged this week, why were they not charged with seditious, or they were charged with seditious conspiracy? Do you have any sense of why they were not found guilty of it? What? How their behavior was different than that of Rhodes and Megs, who were found guilty?
4: They said a lot less about engaging mm-hmm. in the Civil War. And they also, I mean, uh, Rhodes especially kept planning for Civil War mm-hmm. after January 6th. Mm-hmm. It was a larger conspiracy from November through January ten. Mm-hmm. He kept talking about civil war, whereas um, particularly Caldwell, uh, Harrelson was sort of in an odd position. I think he was more important than the evidence brought out at trial. Um, But he sort of said, well, look, I was just being a security guard at the Ellipse. I came down. I was, you know, I I accompanied somebody coming down. Uh, One of the things that happened at trial um, is that there was a conversation between a guy who's charged in the third Oathkeeper conspiracy, um Mike Simmons is one of the names he goes by between him, Megs, and Rhodes. Mm-hmm. and thus far, none of them have have uh, have disclosed the content of that phone call. And mm. It's a pretty important phone call and and they don't know it and and in the trial that just finished, the other the most senior cooperator, a guy by now Joshua James, did not testify and its not entirely clear where, why he didn't. He mm-hmm. has more direct testimony about the guys who are up next. Mm-hmm. He's also the guy who was interacting directly with Roger Stone the day of the attack. So maybe they're holding him back. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't think he'd do well on the stand. But there, there are all, all these questions, um, and we'll see whether they get answered in the second seditious
2: conspiracy trial. And how significant then, moving forward, is it that uh, Rhodes, in this case, who was who received one of the harshest verdicts for seditious conspiracy, that he never even entered the Capitol uh, or attempted to enter the Capitol, as far as I know. Is that a point, uh, is that particular point, is that a reason for folks Uh, like, never mind uh, Roger Stone and Alex Jones, is that a reason for folks like Donald Trump to be more concerned today than they might have been before this specific uh, uh, verdict this week came in?
4: I think people should still focus on the conspiracy to obstruct the vote count. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no reason to invest your hopes in sedition, Mm -hmm. uh, besides the fact that Trump would be disqualified from from taking political office, I mean that's the one upside to the seditious conspiracy. Mm-hmm. But there's they each both the obstruction and the seditious conspiracy have a 20 year sentence. They're right. both very serious. Um, barring the the um, the appeals court overturning the obstruction application, and in the case of Trump, it probably wouldn't even work. But but the obstruction charge is the one that that Judge uh, David Carter in California said Trump and John Eastman probably. Committed. Mm-hmm. It's more documents focused. It's uh, particularly for Stone um, tr- Trump. We can point to violence he caused, mm-hmm. right? Right. We can point to both violence he incited with mm-hmm. what he said in his speech, but we can also point to um, how he knowingly set his vice president up to be assassinated. Mm-hmm. So we can point to the violence mm-hmm. that Trump engaged in. Thus far, we know less about it with Roger Stone. We do know that he was part early on of the whole Stop the Steal movement, and that's the kind of thing where I think they'd go after Stone. So I I just, I I think seeing seditious conspiracy charges against Trump or Stone or uh, Alex Jones or whoever, I I think it's just sort of a fetish, because the, the penalty would be the same for the obstruction charge. It's a lot easier to prove. It's what a judge has already said. Two judges actually have already said, yeah, that sounds like what Trump did. Um, it's it's sort of what's on the table that's visible, and I, I just don't think we need to go to the seditious conspiracy um it's
2: great it it sounds like you're suggesting that the at least the smarter move that while there you can certainly make a case for seditious conspiracy and uh conspiracy to obstruct a, a proceeding it sounds like you're suggesting. The, the, when it comes to Trump in any event That the simplest charge The one you are most likely to be able to win a conviction on And in this case it's one that has a, 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 a max sentence of 20 years as is Just like seditious conspiracy That uh, whether it's uh, Merrick Garland or uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel It would be smarter to go for that simpler uh, charge That he's less likely to be uh, acquitted of
4: well, I mean, they certainly couldn't do what prosecutors did here, which was backstop the charges. Go for the seditious conspiracy, but make sure that there were, um, that there were charges that people were going to actually be found guilty. Mm-hmm. I just I want to set expectations and explain that it is genuinely hard to prove seditious conspiracy. Right. We can point to the violence that Trump caused, mm-hmm. and it was violent, and, you know, and people were badly injured and so on. Um, And at least at moments in the prosecution of the crime scene, they seemed like they were setting up um, the the opportunity for aid and abet exposure for Trump through through these kinds of networks. But I I just think there's no point in getting your hopes set on seditious conspiracy, because there's really no difference legally. Uh Um, And uh, there are better things to do with your time.
2: And and, and, and and do you have confidence that, you know, no matter what the charges are, if they are brought against someone like Donald Trump, if he's indicted, is it even do you have confidence that it will be possible to find a jury without, you know, at least one MAGA person on it who, you know, who, who would be willing to vote against pretty much any charges uh, against Donald Trump, no matter what? Is that even possible in this day and age?
4: I do think it's possible. I mean, I do think, like, if you look at the results on this trial, I think it was a very thoughtful result. Um, and and this was a fairly notorious set of defendants.
2: But not Donald um, Trump. They were not as notorious as Donald Trump. Yeah,
4: <laughs> I, mean, I, I get it. And I think a lot of it depends on what happens with the stolen documents case, too. Because uh-huh. I think that, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot, like, there's a lot left to come and we don't know how it's going to come we don't know what order it's going to come mm-hmm. um, we don't know how, how you know we don't know what's going to happen I mean is it going to happen that Jack Smith will come back to the US and start charging lower level people and them or is it the case that um, for some reason and I think there are good reasons for this he, he sort of wants to get all the ducks in a row so that there's not this I mean, because I'm more worried. Let me put it this way: I'm mm-hmm. far more worried about obstruction than I am about a jury.
2: You mean obstructing, uh, obstructing the the case, obstructing the idea of yeah, indictment? I mean,
4: let, let, just as an example, um, Trump Organization uh, just went to the jury. I think before we got on the phone together, the the case in in New York, mm-hmm. and it's this ridiculous position where Weisselberg, the accountant,
3: mm-hmm, is,
4: the, is the chief witness. He's going to jail one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the Trump entities have, at one level, said this was all about Weisselberg ripping us off. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Weisselberg still works for Trump organizations.
2: Right, of course.
4: And so, I you know, that's an example where Trump is going to continue to, it, you know, he's a mob boss. Yep. And he, like, I I think virtually all people really, really, really underestimate the degree to which he obstructed Mueller mm-hmm. in 2020 after yep. Bill Barr came in. I yep. think people just have, I mean, because Barr got away with so much, and yep. a lot of it's not public, that people just can't conceive of how successfully he killed the Mueller investigation um, and any other investigation that tied to him. And so, yeah, he's not president, but... He's still a mob boss. And Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, I think that, I mean, just as there's a prosecutor um, who was involved in the transition from Mueller to like sentencing um, Paul Manafort, for Mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. So she was involved firsthand. She saw this firsthand. She, she, her colleagues were the ones who quit after the, after Barr's interference in the Stone sentencing. Mm -hmm. And she is at least Tendentially involved in the Trump investigation, if not personally involved. And so there are people who have very recent memories of how Trump operates as a mob box. Mm. And I think that um, I think that's what people need to be more worried about. But I also think it's telling that when um Attorney General Garland rolled out the special counsel appointment, for both of the parts of the investigation, mm-hmm. right? So there's the January sixth side, and there's the document stolen document side. Right. Normally, when you put a special counsel, you say, "Well, you can investigate these two potential crimes, and anything that comes up, and the, that anything that comes up language is meant to be any perjury or, or obstruction of your investigation." But but uh, Garland for both of those charges said, "Or anything that has already come up," right? As if he already. I mean, like we know, for example, that they were trying to to. Um, get Cassidy Hutchinson to testify uh, mm-hmm. inaccurately and so it's gonna be stuff like that that they've already dealt with right um,
2: so I,
4: yeah I, I get worrying more, more about the fact that Trump is a mob boss than that a jury won't do their
2: very Yeah, really interesting. Uh, Before I let you go, Marcy and I've only got a a second or two. We had a a bit of a heated debate on this program between two attorneys uh, about a week ago. One in favor of the appointment of Jack Smith, one who felt that uh, Garland had more than enough to indict today, did not need the addition of a special counsel. Uh, What 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 do you know about Jack Smith? Do you feel uh, good or concerned about his appointment to uh, oversee these two different Trump related cases?
4: I don't have feelings one way or another about whether he's appropriate or not. I mean, I think um the instincts to hire him are probably pretty good, but I um I have my questions. I think the most important aspect of appointing him mm-hmm. and it may be bigger than people really make out is it's not just Trump that's being investigated. It's at the at a minimum Scott Perry, one of the Congressman. the head of the the Freedom Caucus. Yep. And Um, And the the actions of people like Jim Jordan, who is now overseeing DOJ, are at least of interest to this investigation. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I think you could have gone with or without a special counsel to investigate Trump. I think with the Republicans and the majority in the House, you need a special counsel to protect the investigation. You need a special counsel such that, and this is kind of the outside chance, what if uh, Jack Smith found criminal... Exposure among, say, seven Republicans. What if that happens? That would make the difference.
2: uh, House members, yeah.
4: Yeah, that would make the difference between a Republican majority and uh, and a Democratic majority, at least in the short term. And it would change the Speaker of the House again, at least in the short term, the certain line for the presidency. And so I think that that you know I could go either way about Jack Smith both he, him as a person or a special mm-hmm. counsel being appointed, but I think it's really critical to have a special counsel there, given that Jim Jordan is now in charge of the House Judiciary Committee.
2: And the fact that charges could be brought against Congress members with this narrow of a margin that we're going to see in January that could actually flip who controls the House. And so, yeah, I guess you don't want to have uh, Joe Biden's personal uh, appointee uh, doing that at the head of uh, DOJ. So...
4: Yeah, and, and I want yeah. to be clear, again, expectations setting. The only person that we know has been a real focus so far is Scott Perry. Mm-hmm. They seized his phone in um, September, I think. Yep. And, and it's because of that that I feel confident saying he is a very close focus. I mean, mm-hmm. he was involved in the effort to, like, replace the attorney general. But because Congress is involved, and frankly, not just Congress. I mean, senior Republicans yep. in the seven swing states were involved. Because the Republican Party is going to be a subject of this investigation, very quickly. I think that that is the reason I support having a special counsel, even more than anything having to do with the president.
2: The excellent. President. Excellent and smart point, as always. I know you wrote about that a few days ago. I will link uh, folks over to your argument there at EmptyWheel.net. Marcy Wheeler can also be found on the Twitters, where she is occasionally hilarious. She is EmptyWheel over there until uh, well until she gets the hell out of there like everyone else.
4: Also EmptyWheel at, at Social.Mastodon.
2: There you go. At social.mastodon. Oh, God. All right. She's uh, the independent national security journalist, and her site is emptywheel.net. And she's a longtime friend of the broadcast. Good to talk to you, Marcy. You, you may now stand down, uh, heal, get better, get over that cold. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you. Okay, take a quick break. We will come back with some more accountability, by the way, for some more right wingers. And maybe even, uh, I think it's a little bit funnier, too. (laughs) Okay. Funny accountability is always good. That's straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber right now as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely and quickly via brandblog.com slash donate from Desi Doyen and myself. Thank you.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the broadcast
2: You
0: don't remember that? I don't remember a disco Wizard of Oz.
2: 1978 no. disco version of The Wizard of Oz by Miko. Or Mako. Anyway, they also did a Star Wars thing. We'll play that uh, as soon as we find an excuse. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We actually have a reason to play that. Why? Well, this via the delightfully irreverent Jezebel this week, Dr. Mehmet Oz. Failed Pennsylvania U.S. Senate candidate from New Jersey who left his syndicated TV show to pursue a deeply embarrassing run for Senate in Pennsylvania, where he does not live, and spent nearly $27 million of his own money before losing the state by an even bigger margin than Donald Trump did in 2020. Well, the whole thing was a spectacular self-own, Jezebel reports. Now this man is reportedly desperate to get back on TV, and the industry is not particularly interested. Womp womp. Sad. No one in the mainstream media will touch him, a source told Radar Online. You can't alienate half of your audience with a political stance and expect to bring in an audience on your return to television. The Dr. Oz show was canceled last year after he announced his campaign. Radar Online reports Oz is, quote, groveling to everyone he knows, unquote, in order to revive his daytime talk show about health. But the effort has been dead on arrival, much like his political career.
0: Poor baby. He'll probably have to go sulking and and, uh, soothe his feelings at one of his how many houses does he have?
2: Uh, Got a a whole lot of houses. Yeah, that's probably the best thing for him. Uh, Sources say that he can't even get a word with his former producers including Oprah Winfrey's Harpo Productions, which uh, produced this show for all 13 seasons. But you may remember Oprah ended up endorsing Oz's opponent, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, in the final days of the race. Uh, Also, Radar Online notes that uh, his reputation may have been too badly damaged for him to ever be on TV again. Uh, Among the things that came out during his uh, campaign was the report that his medical research killed more than 300 dogs. He was the principal investigator at uh, Columbia University Institute of Comparative Medicine Labs for years, where he was in charge of the thing, and he ran like 75 studies where they conducted experiments on live animals. More than 300 dogs were killed, 31 pigs. 661 rabbits and rodents. Good job, Dr. Oz. Also, he was seen speaking at a high-dollar fundraiser in front of Hitler's car. That's never good for daytime TV. (laughs) It is not a good look. Uh, He uh, has made dumb comments, of course, about abortion, calling it murder, saying that it's an issue that remains between a woman, her doctor, and local politicians, as I recall. Uh, That's not going to go well on daytime TV which is uh, mostly women. So, oh, there's a chance, Jezebel notes, that uh, he could get a gig at Fox News or Newsmax, but no one has made him an offer yet, and one Fox News contributor said the last thing that conservatives want to hear right now is Dr. Oz giving political advice. Sad and in uh, perhaps uh, we wish him all the best. Of course, uh, in perhaps uh, somewhat even more satisfying accountability for right-wing nutballs' news, and in this case, criminal accountability. So remember these wingnut clowns, Jack Berkman and Jacob Wall. They thought they were pulling off this, uh, this sort of uh, you know Republican operatives who have been pulling trying to pull off schemes that have failed one after another for years. So they thought they were had this really great scheme uh, where they were sending out these robocalls to tens of thousands of black voters in Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois and Ohio prior to the 2020 presidential election in which the woman whose voice is heard on the call actually identifies these two yutzes by name on the call, claiming they founded something called the Project 1599, a civil rights organization, which doesn't actually exist, but it, you know, sort of sounds good. And then the caller goes on to tell voters not to vote by mail, whatever you do, because then your information will be used against you by the man. Yes, the man.
4: Hi, this is Tamika Taylor from Project 1599, a civil rights organization founded by Jack Berkman and Jacob Bulls. in voting sounds great, but did you know that if you vote by mail, your personal information will be part of a public database that will be used by police departments to track down old warrants? Can we use our credit card companies to collect outstanding debt?
3: Nope, not the true. The
4: CDC is even pushing to use records for mail-in voting to track people for mandatory vaccines. Don't be connected to giving door private information to the man. Stay safe and beware
0: of vote-by-mail.
2: Beware of vote-by-mail. Don't give your information to the man.
0: Yeah, if you're going to do dirty tricks, don't put your name on it. And
2: they put their name on it. Anyway, all of that is completely false. And now these uh, idiots, uh, you know, are being held accountable for it. It's not the only thing they've done. It's the only thing I have the time or the stomach to tell you about right now. But uh, these two hucksters and racists pleaded guilty recently to 14 counts of fraud in an Ohio courtroom for their parts in this scheme. These racist, voter-suppressing robocalls in black communities. Well, on Tuesday, a Cuyahoga County Common Pleas court judge placed both of them on two years probation and ordered the men to wear GPS ankle monitors with a home confinement curfew for the first six months of their probation. They were also fined $2,500 each, plus court costs and fees, and uh, Walter Einenkel at Daily Coast says this punishment seems relatively small for two men best known for relentlessly trying to defraud people. But the judge in this case did have a, uh, a kicker. He said it's despicable what you guys have done, but I'm limited here by the nature of the crime that you pleaded guilty to. But he said both men must spend, quote, 500 hours registering voters in low income neighborhoods in the Washington, D.C. area.
0: 500 hours. Yep. Community service, registering low-income voters in black-majority districts. Correct.
2: I love it. Uh, I will also note here they are also, according to NPR, still facing felony charges for this same stunt in Michigan, plus lawsuits from a bunch of civil rights groups and the state attorney general, Letitia James, in New York. So it's not going to get better for them. Also, the FCC is considering fining the pair a record-breaking $5 million Mm. for making those robocalls to cell phones without consent. And as if all of that is not enough, as I have been sharing those stories, this breaking news just in, which is uh, obviously bigger news than Dr. Oz and the two yutzes Jack Berman and Jacob Wall, but... The 11th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, I'm just reading this off my phone, um, has thrown out the special master for Trump's Mar-a-Lago stolen documents, saying that Judge Eileen Cannon erred in making the appointment of a special counsel in the first place. She had no jurisdiction to do so. Which means, I guess, the, uh, it's on. The DOJ can now move ahead in full with that case, uh, with the uh, Special Master uh, Raymond Deary now removed from the case entirely. He had been reviewing whether there was attorney-client privilege on any of these documents, and now the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals says that judge, Eileen Cannon, that federal judge in Florida appointed by Donald Trump, had no business even making a ruling in this case, much less slowing the entire thing down with a uh, 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 with this special master process to review these thousands of documents. That said, again, haven't yet read the story, but this is the 11th Circuit Court, which was a three judge panel with two Trump appointees on that panel and one George W. Bush appointee on the panel. Uh, Trump could still appeal on bank to the entire 11th Circuit.
0: (laughs) Yes, there are more delays that he can deploy to prevent this from moving forward, and I'm sure that 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 is likely.
2: And he could then go to the Supreme Court. Good luck with that, however. The Supreme Court has not been his friend lately anyway, so we'll see how things go. But I think Marcy Wheeler was right when she said the biggest problem is Donald Trump... Uh, obstructing all of these investigations in any way that he can. Yes. He's very good at it. But you know what? Eventually, I think it runs out. He runs out of options. It gets to the Supreme Court. They say, get lost, buddy. And uh, yes, there will be accountability. I told you this was accountability season. <laughs>
0: Well, we shall see. We shall see. We I mean, one see. hopes that we it continues and it's that coming. the delays don't, uh, don't somehow end up letting him get away scot-free with everything. You mean so.
2: like allowing him to uh, win the 2024 presidential election and then pardoning himself?
0: Yeah. Stuff like that.
2: That could happen. Good point. All right. We have got to get out before things get any worse or any (laughs) better. Uh, My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, and my guest today, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always greatly appreciated. It is always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's program or you just want to listen again or share it with friends and enemies, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there, and that is because thanks to you, at least to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and I stay on your public airwaves as long as we can, as long as we can stand it, and as long as you can stand <laughs> us. Uh, all right, that's it. I'm out of here. Oh, drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. We'll see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.